1: And now, it's time for Dr. Bill, your Radio MD. That's me. I'm Dr. Bill, your Radio MD. Coming at you on 860, The Answer. We are an AM station, and I'm on every Sunday, 9 to 10 AM. We're also an iHeart station. And this is Interactive Radio, so you can reach me at 877-969-8600. 9, 9, 0, 0. That's 877-969-8600. 8600. Chris, what's our new website? AM860theanswer.com. A little cumbersome, but, you know, makes you feel warm and fuzzy once you type it into your your URL Googler thing. So we're talking today about, again, the, the candidates. And uh, personally, I'm a little sick of them, but uh, I figure we need to know a little bit more before we make a, a truly informed decision and one of the big areas that people are concerned about are about the economy and more specifically about health care what's going to happen with my health care? will I be covered now? A lot of people don't have the same passion about health care they had in two thousand and eight when Obama ran on his first uh, uh, for his first presidential spot there, and I think that the fallout from Obamacare has been accepted to some degree, and so it doesn't seem to be as big a deal for most people. Most of us still have coverage, although it's more expensive. But I want to know what the candidates have in mind. As usual, the politicos and the government follow rather than lead the public in what their concerns are, and most of us are not as concerned about health care. Although the cost of it should be something that we uh, open our eyes up to, it's not going to get any cheaper and it's certainly not going to decrease our federal deficit. And speaking of the deficit and the budget, let's look at how much we actually collect in taxes and how much we spend a year. There's about 140 to 150 million taxes filed per year. That includes individuals as well as businesses and corporations. And the total intake. 2015 was $3 trillion two hundred and fifty billion, and the outlay was three trillion six hundred and eighty-eight billion. So we're still spending at a deficit of four hundred and thirty-eight billion this year. It's uh targeted to go up next year and then start coming back down a little bit. And so we all know about the nineteen trillion dollar debt. The amount of debt is that is held by the public is much less than that because there are other um, IOUs that the government has that are not publicly traded per se. Oh, by the way, did you see where Saudi Arabia is going to, they're threatening to sell $750 billion worth of treasury notes in the open market if Congress passes a bill allowing people to sue the Saudi Arabian government for the losses of 9-11. So that's an interesting little phenomena. How would they do that? Well, they'd go out in the market and see what they could get. Basically, they would be junk bonds, and people would buy them, but they would buy them only if there was uh, an, an increase in the interest rate paid because junk bonds have to pay more interest. Right now, the interest rates are very low. So if you get to 5 or 6% on a T-bill, that's a heck of a lot of uh of juice coming out of our federal budget. So we're collecting about 18 to 20 percent, or the government is, of taxes on what is filed. And that's pretty standard and traditional. And I read an article years ago that an economist did. I guess it was his graduate thesis. And he said that no matter what the tax rate has been throughout the 20th century, and now we're in the 21st, no matter what the government sets it at, whether it's 50, 60, 70 percent for the highest income tax brackets or 35, Americans generally pay no more than 20 percent on average in income taxes per year. So we're holding pretty close to that. And I think that that's the the benchmark. And that's certainly, if I were to institute a flat tax, that's where I would tag it at about 20 percent and get rid of most of the deductions maybe home ownership interest would would stay, but otherwise I'd probably wipe out almost everything. You say, well, where the heck is all this money going? And we'll drill down into the health care in a minute, but right now the health care is eating up about 28% and pensions about 26% of the federal budget. So that's almost uh, 55%. Well, that is 55%, 54%. And then if you throw in uh, defense, You're at 75 percent. That's about 20, 22 percent. So about 75 percent of the budget is spent on health care, pensions. That's our Social Security and government pensions and defense. And the rest goes to welfare at 10 percent, education at 4 percent, transportation at 2 percent, general government spending, got to pay to run the government 1 percent interest is 6%. So we're paying about 6% as it is. And the Saudis would probably go into the market and say, we're selling these things for 6%. Because that's what the United States is paying in interest as it is. So they'd have us by the short hair, so to speak. But we could also have them. Should we sue them or not? I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. And I don't know all the ins and outs of it. But it should be interesting. At any rate, we're taking a look at health care and the candidates and the taxation structure that they are proposing individually to meet the deficit of their various health care plans. So the U.S. healthcare care spending breakdown, you say, well, what are we spending our health care dollar on? 30% to the hospitals, 20% to physicians, 10% to prescription drugs, 5 to 6% for nursing care outpatient continued care, 3.75% for private health insurance administrative cost. That's United UnitedHealthcare, Aetna, et cetera, uh, Cigna, the amount of money that is being utilized from the healthcare dollar to pay the administrative expenses of these companies. And then there are a bunch of smaller areas like uh, private health insurance administrative cost, structural in equipment cost, dental, public health, home health, et cetera, durable medical equipment, non-durable medical equipment. That would be things like a durable piece of medical equipment would be like a wheelchair. and non-durable medical equipment would be something that you use a few times and then throw away like an ace wrap. So that's how it's broken up. And now we need to know, who's going to do what if they get elected, assuming that they can get Congress to go along with them? Well, let's start off with Hillary Clinton, because she's probably the most visible on the Democratic side, although Bernie Sanders is making a a big push. Will she keep Obamacare? Yes. Will she expand Obamacare? Yes. The the uh, exchanges, which are the state-level programs that the federal government is co-sponsoring with the states, is where you go if you don't qualify for Medicaid and you can't get health insurance anywhere else. You go into the exchanges, and they have a larger deductible, and the exchanges are uh, being sold by and administered by United Healthcare and Blue Cross Blue Shield and Aetna and Cigna and all the other big companies, so... That's where you go, and she would increase that. She would give a $5,000 family tax credit for health care that's above 5% of their gross. So once you reach 5000 out of pocket, you'd get some help. Or actually, you'd get help up to 5000 And then after that, you're on your own. But that's assuming that you have a $5,000 deductible with your Obamacare plan. So that will be at least offset somewhat by your tax credit up to $5,000. And you show that you're paying $7,500 a year for your health care insurance. And then you're just responsible for that next $2,500 or whatever is out of pocket. Uh, And in addition to, the government will also subsidize your uh, exchange program health insurance if you make under a certain amount of money. And of course, it's it's uh, graduated so that the more you make, the less help you get. And once you get over 60000 or somewhere in that area for a family of four, you're on your own. So basically, those who are making 50000 or less a year are going to come out uh, winners on this. Medicaid matching with the state's she wants 100 percent Medicaid matching. And that was one of the big rubs, as you recall, is that the states sued the federal government saying, look, you can't force us to expand our Medicaid unless you're going to participate financially. So then the Supreme Court said, you're right. You know, the states are, are not your your uh, inferiors. You were made up of states. That's how we established ourselves. And you can't demand that they do something unless you're paying some money and you have a string to pull, you know, kind of like mom and dad giving you an allowance. And along with the allowance goes, you got to take out the garbage and sweep the floor. So, and the kid's going to say, well, you know, if I'm going to sweep the floor and take out the garbage, I want some cash, baby. At least my son would. I don't know about yours, Chris, but I think that's pretty standard. They try. (laughs) So we have to consider uh, that as part of her plan. And she wants to cover all immigrants, legal or illegal. She wants to make sure that they have some level of health care, whether it's Medicaid, which most would fall into. And I see a few people in the practice who are illegal immigrants who have Medicaid and you say, how the hell do they get that? Well, they get phony social security cards and or they have babies here in the United States. And once you have a baby here, the anchor baby, whatever you want to call it, the baby's an American and most of the kids nowadays can get on Medicaid. So that is how I see these people. And once the kid's on, the mother's on. I don't know about the fathers, I forget. And that's something maybe somebody can remind me about. So she's going to cover everybody. She's going to lower out-of-pocket co-pays and deductibles, reduce prescription costs, and demand lower prices. So I guess that means uh, in her couched way that she's going to act like she's going to Uh, set up a bargaining instrument of the Department of Health and Human Services that would negotiate with large drug companies and wholesalers to get medications cheaper for Medicare and Medicaid. I don't think that she'll do that, uh, certainly not with this Congress. So she wants to reward value and quality, And this is not new. I mean, this has been going on. This whole push has been going on for the past 30 years with the uh, DRGs. And now we're going to have the outpatient diagnostically regulated uh, groups where if you come into my office with pneumonia, uh, uncomplicated, I'm going to get X amount of dollars for that. And I have to take care of that problem, not including your medications or prescriptions, but I have to take care of you for that amount. Now, if you go in the hospital, the hospital will get a set amount and they'll pay the doctors out of that. So this has been in the pipeline for a long time. She's just, uh, uh, how shall I say, grabbing credit for something that she did not do. And she wants to expand rural health care. Well, this is nothing new. I worked out in the rural health clinics to pay off my public health service loan when I was a kid coming out of medical school and internship. And of course, she wants to pay for access to reproductive care you got to get the women's vote, right? I mean, most women think, oh, yeah, even I wouldn't have an abortion or I I don't need that, but I should have the choice if I want it. So you have that. Now, what about Bernie? Well, wait a minute. What are the cost savings on the Hillary plan? She doesn't really have anything yet. But Bernie does. And you may say, well, this guy's a socialist. He's a communist. But, yeah, I mean, you know, that's that's how the family rolls. That's, he's a member of the tribe. What do you expect? So he claims that he'll spend $3 trillion a year on health care and save money because of the increase in taxes, and we'll talk about that in a minute. So basically he wants to eliminate Obamacare, Medicare, Medicaid, have a single-payer system. There's no public health options. There's no expansion. There's no contraction of Obamacare or the exchanges. They're gone. He says there'll be about four hundred and sixty-six dollars per year premium out of pocket, and the rest will be paid by taxes. And he will reward value and quality. That's assumed. Expand rural health. That, I mean, all these things are just assumed right into it. Access to reproductive care. That that doesn't. Uh, I mean, that all falls under a single payer system. How will he cover this? Separate health insurance from employers. He'll carve that out so that I and you and Salem, broadcasting, the radio station, no employer has to carry health insurance for anybody. The cost savings, he say, will be $6 trillion over 10 years, about $5,000 per family. Business savings will be 9400 per year per employee. However, the employer will increase the amount that he or she or it pays for each employee's government plan, about 6.2% of the income of that employee. So if you're making 30000 a year and you're working for me, uh, that's about 1800 to $2,000 more that I have to pay out of the corporation for you so that you can continue to have your government health care. Your single payer, and what am I paying now It's probably double that. So that could be a good thing for me. However, the, the downside to a single payer system is that you put a lot of power in the hands of of, of very few people. Those people being the federal and state governments, the Department of Health and Human Services. So there'll be an income-based premium of 2.2% household progressive income tax 37% for those making 250 to 500,000, 43% 500,000 to 2 million, 48% 2 million to 10 million, 52% for people making over 10 million a year. And deductions would be capped at anything over 250,000 at $0.28 cents per dollar, so that if you bought a $100 million home in Bel Air and your interest on it was $20 million a year and you're making $50 million a year, you ain't going to get to deduct all of that. Estate tax would be progressive as well it would be brought down to $3.5 million before the tax would start. I think currently it's at $5 million. The estate tax is what the government takes when I or you die and we leave something to our kids. 99% of us are not affected by this. He says there'll be single-payer savings of $310 billion per year. I guess, I don't know. I mean, I'd have to sit down and do the math. Certainly, it would not be any more expensive than what we're doing now. But the big drawback is that you have one system, you have one payer, and although it simplifies many aspects of it, it also puts a lot of power into the hands of a few. And as Americans, we have to be very careful about that. Now, what would Trump do? Well, my man Trump would repeal the Affordable Care Act and he'd go for a free market, which is something that I've been saying for a couple of decades. The drawback to that is that it's going to take five to ten years for the free market to shake out and everybody to get comfortable with it. But similar to Obamacare, you know, we all pitch a fit, and now most people don't even notice it. Just those of us who are political and policy wonks and are looking at this and saying this is pushing up the national debt. But... He would repeal the Affordable Care Act. He would expand portability. What's that mean? That means that if I buy a Blue Cross Blue Shield policy in Florida, I can go to Georgia and I don't have to do anything. I don't have to get a new policy. My policy will take care of me there, and that the Blues in Georgia accept the Blues in Florida, and that United Health Care in Florida is the same as United Health Care in California. So if I have a private plan through one of the insurance companies, that's portable. I can pick it up and move, and I don't have to worry about being denied coverage. A lot of the plans are already doing this. Some are not, and some will cap what they'll pay the doctors. So if you're coming from Massachusetts and you see me with a problem, I may not get paid what I'm getting paid down here. So that has great appeal to me, uh, of course, there will have to be some kind of bridge for those who can't afford health insurance. And I think that uh, the Donald has said that he would not let the lower 25% of the country die on the streets, which to me means that there would be some coverage, Medicaid uh, or Medicaid, until uh, it could be phased into another type of program. And in that sense, he would expand Medicaid which is fine with me. I don't mind expanding Medicaid. I just want to know how it's being spent. It's a really, really, really cheap program, especially here in Florida, where the governor and the legislature has pushed all of the Medicaid patients into Medicaid HMOs. And it's a little easier to finagle with them with the big HMO than it is with individual doctors. So that probably has a lot of value to it. And a lot of doctors won't take Medicaid because it doesn't pay. You know, you're getting about 20 cents on the dollar that you bill. Whereas with Medicare, you get 80 cents. So you would figure it out real quick. Does that mean that all Medicaid is bad? No, I know some OBGYNs that are making good money off of Medicaid. There's so many women on Medicaid now and so many babies in that segment of the population that – it's it's impossible, at least in this market, to not take Medicaid. And if you get a big enough uh, population of Medicaid patients, you can always negotiate a little bit. The hospital that I work at has been in negotiations with one of the big Medicaid uh, HMOs for the past couple of years. They're getting close, but, uh, you know, they're trying to hammer these things out, and the Medicaid HMOs are going to the federal government saying, look, The doctors won't work for any less. The hospitals won't take any less. And the government's saying, the state legislature says, well, we don't have the funds. Just go back and fight with them. So then the HMOs start looking at where they can cut. The hospitals start looking at where they can cut and what they will and will not take. And it goes on from there. It gives us a little buffer anyway between the government and the people. Of course, it costs money. And some people say, why should I pay anybody's health insurance? Why should I care about the lower 25%? Most of them are lazy and they don't work or whatever. Well, I don't know that that's necessarily true. I can tell you that I have employees that work hard who don't make a lot of money, and I'm sure they're living check to check, and we see this when we run out of money and we have to withhold their paychecks for a few days, and their rents do, and they're yelling and screaming at us, rightfully so and we're yelling and screaming at the insurance companies and our billing agency, and it cascades back. It's like a wave. Pretty cool, huh? So then we have to look at what else Donald wants to do. He wants a health savings account that's tax-free, and it can be accumulated and carried forward. That is, it, it doesn't end if you don't spend it all in the tax year that you put it in or you and your employer put money in. And he wants it up to twenty-five thousand, which I have said all along is a wonderful thing. I even tried to convince my wife of that. Finally, she agreed to it, and I think that the uh, the amount that you can deduct from your corporate, uh, your business uh, operating expenses or your your net is twenty-five hundred or thirty-five hundred. I don't know where it is. It's somewhere in that range, but let's kick it up to twenty-five thousand. And you know, I'd be happy to put four or five grand a year and if I have the cash to do it, into everybody's health savings account at the office and let them go get their own insurance. and some of them can go into the exchange and get the insurance at a, a greatly discounted rate because you and I, the taxpayers, are picking up the rest of the tab. I don't particularly like that, but that's what we have at the moment. He wants to enforce and expand the immigration laws. Trump does not want to pay for immigrants to get health insurance in the United States. How you do that, I'm not sure. You're going to have to have a much tighter system when it comes to fake Social Security cards. You're going to have to go after the employers. You're going to have to deport a lot of people. It's a big expense. And then you're looking at tons of lawsuits that will tap the federal courts for eons because people will say, I'm being deported illegally. I have a child here who's an American, or my wife's an American, or," and you'll see a lot of people running out trying to marry Americans. And by the way, if you're a, a Mormon or a Muslim, it might be a good opportunity for you to pick up a few extra wives. So we're going to expand and enforce the immigration laws under under Trump. He would give block grants... For Medicaid to the states. What does that mean? That means that if you have so much money in the pot for Medicaid, let's say it's 10% of $3 trillion, so that's $300 billion, then based upon your Medicaid expenditures last year and the number of people you have on Medicaid and your socioeconomics in your state, you'd get X amount of dollars as a block grant. That's what Nixon did. This isn't new. Uh, These things come and go. So, you know, they sound really cool because most of us haven't heard these things before because we're not old enough to remember. But this is all, you know, all this is just rehashed from all of these folks. Some of it I like, though. He says that the states know better how to handle and manage their Medicaid patient population and the Medicaid money. And in the sense that Florida has done that, and you haven't heard too big of an outcry, And I don't see anybody dropping dead in the streets. And everybody who comes to the hospital gets taken care of. And whether it's the best care or not, I can't tell you because it depends on what physician you get and what nurse you get. And, of course, anybody can make a living under any system anywhere in the world if they set up their office right across the street from the emergency room because emergency rooms miss a certain percentage of of, uh, problems. And that's just the way it is with human beings. We're not 100%. So if you get a high-volume ER and you open your office across the street and have a walk-in clinic, you'll do fine. You'll do really well. So the Medicaid block grants are fine with me. We can see exactly how much we're going to give to the states. It won't be veiled. Uh, It'll be transparent. He also wants barriers to prescription uh, medications. So that the federal government can't say, well, you can't buy directly from China or from Canada or from India, from Dr. Reddy's pharmaceutical company in India. There's a wholesaler there that decides they want to go into the retail business online and you find them and you say, send me my Simvastatin, send me my cholesterol medicine. And it's 20 bucks cheaper than what you would pay at Walmart or Kmart or Publix or CVS. Well, technically, that's illegal right now because these medications purportedly have not been vetted by the Food and Drug Administration, and there's a reason for that. We want to know if they're pure. We want to know what their biological activity is. We want to know uh, how they're manufactured. And, of course, the liberals want to know, are you using slave labor? Uh, Are you using child labor? So on and so forth. So there's a lot of reasons that the FDA steps in. Uh, and ostensibly, and I think for the most part the intentions are good by the doctors who review all of this at the FDA, uh, is to protect us. However, the cost goes up because then we're tied to purportedly domestic manufacturers, domestic sales, domestic uh, wholesalers. And, of course, this protects companies like CVS and Walmart and Kmart who have pharmacies, publics in our area, and they don't want to see that sort of uh, legislation pass. They want to see the, the barriers to purchasing your drugs wherever you want taken away. You can start to see why the uh, Republican establishment is so worried about Trump. And, of course, Trump wants to tax the very wealthy to get money to do this. You'll see varying pundits say varying things about his tax plan, and I'm not quite sure uh, that anybody has it correct yet. I'm not sure that he actually knows what his tax plan is at this point. But I think in listening to him that the general drift is that we would lower the taxes for most people and raise it for the uppers. So he wants a flat tax, I'm sorry, he wants a graduated tax of uh, 25, 15, and 10% on personal, and he wants to lower the the corporate tax rate to 15%. And his reasoning is sound. He's saying, look, at 35% top tax bracket for corporations and businesses, it's cheaper for a big business to purchase a smaller business in their same market in Ireland and move their domicile, move where their he- corporate headquarters are and, and what country they are registered in. To Ireland, where the corporate income tax is 12.5%. How's Ireland doing? Well, they did great until the recession, and they really took a hit, but, you know, it's a somewhat speculative economy that's been set up. So 12.5% and you're paying 37% here or 35 or 25 What are you going to do if you're the president and CEO of a multi-billion dollar corporation and the opportunity presents itself to get lower income taxes and have more in the coffers to give dividends uh, to stockholders and bondholders and to give your uh, executive officers more stock options, so on and so forth. Well, I mean, if you're a businessman, you got to say, wait a minute, who's my first responsibility to, who's paying me my salary? Most people are going to say, Not the government. <laughs> They're not paying me. They are not paying me. So Trump says, let's get to 15%. He said that's a reasonable amount, and that most companies are going to say, I can live with that. You know, for 2.5%, it's not worth moving. We can do it other ways. We can have, for tax purposes, all C corporations, B. S-like corporations, that is everything that they have in profit has to be distributed to the bond and stockholders except for that which is held for uh, research and operating expenses, so on and so forth. I mean, there's different ways you can work this, but the simplest would be to just say it's a flat 15%. That includes you, Dr. Bill. That includes uh, my accountant. That includes uh, GM. That includes Salem broadcasting that's everybody at every level of business. If you're incorporated or, or you're a partnership or you're an LLC or you're whatever, then that's your top top rate is 15%. We're well, starting to get an idea. I'll, I'll talk about cruise in a few minutes, but uh, at least we got through part of it. Let's go grab a cup of coffee and uh, Chris is yelling. He wants to go hit the head. So I'll see you guys right after I'm Dr. Bill, your radio MD. Come on back i oh.
0: With SRN News, I'm Michael Harrington in Washington. The strongest earthquake to hit Ecuador in decades has damaged buildings in major cities hundreds of miles from the epicenter. Officials say at least 77 people have died in the magnitude 7.8 quake, and the toll is feared to go higher. Officials in Japan say U.S. military aircraft are being added to the mix in an effort to speed relief supplies to communities devastated by two powerful earthquakes – that have killed at least 41 people. After five hours of searching to no avail, the Coast Guard says two teenagers who were swept out to sea at San Francisco's Ocean Beach are presumed drowned. Others in the group did make it back to shore. And the U.N. says civilian deaths from the fighting in Afghanistan dipped significantly in the first quarter of this year compared to the same period in 2005, 600 civilians killed so far. This is SRN News. Dr. Bill for CanCare Clinic for Canadians and Visitors. Located at 6399
1: 38th Avenue North, St. Pete, one block from 66th Street North. We accept travel insurance, full-service clinic with x-ray, lab, coumadin check, minor surgery, ultrasound, echo, nuclear scanning, and in-house pharmacy. 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. That's 727-384-6411. Dr. Bill for West Coast Radiology. Our good friends at West Coast Radiology offer convenient and comprehensive x-ray diagnostics including open MRI, CT scan, CT PET, mammography and ultrasound. With state-of-the-art equipment and four convenient locations, you're assured of friendly, comprehensive care. Most insurance is accepted and competitive self-pay rates. Plus Saturday appointments. Call West Coast Radiology at 727-771-279 That's
0: 727-771-2795. Thinking about life insurance? What if you could make one free phone call and learn your best
1: price from nearly a dozen highly rated price competitive companies? Well, that's exactly
0: what happens when you call Select Quote Life. For example, George is 40. He was getting sky-high quotes from other companies because he takes meds to control his blood pressure.
1: But when I shopped around, I found him a 10-year... $500,000 policy for under $28 a month. I'm SelectQuote agent Dan Savino and believe me, if SelectQuote isn't shopping for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much.
0: For your free quote, call 1-800-509-1667. That's 1-800-509-1667. 1-800-509-1667. Or go to SelectQuote.com. Since 1985, we shop you save. Get full details on the example policy at slowquote.com slash commercials. Your price can vary depending on your health, issuing company, and other factors Not available in all states. Since 1973, Taylor Rentals has been the reliable rental company for top-of-the-line construction equipment and heavy-duty machinery, providing Bay Area contractors and homeowners with all their rental needs under one roof. Taylor Rentals experienced friendly staff is ready to assist you at five convenient locations Tampa Brandon Plant City or Lakeland Save time and money when you rent do it yourself tools landscaping equipment wedding and party supplies and home or office decor See a complete listing at taylorrental-tampa.com taylorrental-tampa.com Today breezy and partly sunny high 82 Clear skies tonight low 61 For your Monday sunny with a passing shower high 83
1: Clear Monday night, low 61. Tuesday, mostly sunny, high 82.
0: And Wednesday, sunny to partly cloudy with a high of 83. That's your AccuWeather forecast. I'm Chuck Ellis for AM 860, The Answer.
1: Bill, your Radio MD, that's a little bit of Dan Fogelberg's song, and I love that song. And I especially like the line, it's never clear who's to navigate and who's to steer. It's never easy, and it's never clear who's to navigate and who's to steer. Now, I heard a great analogy, and I've probably have said this on the radio before, so if I have, uh, Chris, tell me to shut up, uh, but uh, democracy and uh Monarchies are different in these two ways. A monarchy or a a dictatorship or an oligarchy, whatever you want, a small group handling all of the affairs, is like a great capital ship, a big aircraft carrier, and it's got so much reinforcement that it can't be brought down and you feel secure and you're up there in the tower with the captain of the ship and everybody on the deck feels great, and then you run into an iceberg, tears a hole in the side, and the thing sinks. Whereas democracy is like a lot of little lifeboats and rafts and dinghies and inner tubes, and they're all kind of lashed together with rope and twine and whatever you could get, seaweed. And everybody's fighting and kicking and screaming, and most people want to be in the middle because, of course, it's drier and it's warmer. And so we all try to take turns, and, and we hit an iceberg, and we push off of it, and we keep going. And, yeah, you're a little wet, you're a little dirty, you're a little cold, and you're not always completely comfortable but we don't sink. So I like that analogy. I think that's a great way to look at it. Uh, Not that I'm necessarily for democracy. I think I'd really like to see Dr. Bill as the uh, benevolent dictator, but I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. We're talking about the health care plans of the different candidates and how that we would fund these things, their taxation plans, et cetera. And I was uh, talking about Donald Trump. By the way, I forgot to mention that if you're a family of four making less than $50,000 under his plan. You'd pay no income tax. Now, that's not Social Security. That's not uh, Medicare. But that's your withholding tax. You wouldn't pay anything. That's probably true for most people under 50000 as it is. So I'm not sure that this is anything new. Sounds great. Good sound bites. Well, what about Cruz? What does this guy want for us? He wants to repeal Obamacare. He wants a flat 10% tax on everybody, and he'll abolish most of the, of the uh, uh, deductions and the categories, and he'll just retain a few like home ownership, uh, the interest you pay on your on your home mortgage loan, and uh, what you give to charity, your taxable contributions. Those would remain as deductions. He would abolish the IRS, and I talked about this a little bit last week. I think it would be tough to completely get rid of the IRS. I suspect that if you could do something with it, you'd scale it down. They're already short-staffed as it is and struggling to uh, to meet all the demands of the government. So I'm not quite sure how much more we can cut that back. Certainly if you just had a postcard that you sent in that said your gross income was 36000 and therefore you owe no taxes because your home mortgage interest was 10,000 and you're below the the uh the benchmark that he's going to set then you just check it and send it in there that's it you don't owe anything then you don't need a a computer to scan through it and look at it it'd be barcoded and it'd go in and say yeah that's what he made and these are the average deductions for the people in that income category who own a home so that works so no tax under $36,000, uh, Trump for a family of four under 50000 And, you know, they throw these numbers out there and they don't give you the whole the whole uh, kit and caboodle, but at least Trump is saying for a family of four, 50000 So that's a point in his favor. Business tax at 16%. And I think Cruz started off higher, but uh, when the Donald came out with his 15%, then he had to come down to 16 15 16 I'm not sure it's a, a big deal maybe maybe not home mortgages if you borrow money on on your home to purchase it or a second to rehab it or whatever then the interest would be deductible up to a value of $500,000 on the home currently i think it's around a million and of course this is going to hurt me and it's going to hurt a lot of other people who are in that hundred to $250,000 tax category. Cruz would eliminate the death tax. He would eliminate the overseas profits tax. What's that? Well, if a corporation makes money overseas and they report it to the government, which they have to in the United States, let's say GM is making uh, so many billions of trillions of dollars in, in China selling their Buick which by the way, they are, they have to report that income. So they, they report what their net income is. Uh, they give the gross and their operating expenses. And then there are reciprocal agreements with uh, countries like China, which say, okay, if you tax them in the United States and we won't tax them in China, but not all countries do that. And of course the corporations are generally smart enough to domicile <laughs> where they don't have to pay taxes twice. So, What Cruz is saying is he would eliminate the tax on profits that you make overseas. Let them fight it out with their jurisdiction. It sounds good, but I'm not sure that, uh, depending on where you locate, that it's going to be a benefit to the corporations. Now, if you're selling all of your uh, four-leaf clovers in Ireland and making a big profit there, Yeah, it probably is worthwhile because there you only have to pay 12.5% compared to 16% under Cruz's tax plan for corporations. He'd get rid of the alternative minimum tax, which is a, uh, a gimmick that the Democrats put in in the 1970s to make sure that if I had a bunch of deductions, I wouldn't go above a certain amount. And the alternative minimum tax would say you have to at least pay this amount no matter how many deductions you have. He'd get rid of the Obamacare taxes. And, of course, this is what Mitt Romney ran on last time. He said, why should I pay two or $3 million more a year to the federal government to fund a program that I don't agree with? And, of course, it basically was the design that he and the Massachusetts uh, Assembly came up with uh, years before the Obamacare came out. I don't know about that guy. He just, something about him just worries me. You know, I don't care if you make a lot of money, but don't come and tell me that I have to pay more taxes and you don't. I mean, if you're going to make more money than me, pay a little bit more taxes and don't whine and complain and carry on so much and run your whole campaign on that. I mean, come on, that's, that's silly. He said he knows better what to do with his money than the federal government. That's great. Why don't you go run Health and Human Services then, Governor? I mean, if you know how to handle it better because you saved the Olympics, the Winter Olympics, I think it was the Winter Olympics in Colorado years ago, and you've built businesses and you're worth a couple hundred million, and you have all this knowledge and ability, why don't you go run a department? Why don't you go run defense and bring the costs down? why don't you go fight with Boeing and Grumman and all these other big companies who are trying to charge so much per widget and whatnot that you'd pay pennies for at the, at the hardware store. I mean, it it doesn't make any sense to me to say, I don't like the way my money's being spent. And here's a guy who's been in in the public uh, employment a lot of his life and not say, well, look, I'm here to help. I mean, I would, I don't know how old he is. Maybe he's getting too old for that. At any rate, you got the idea on Cruz. I don't see any health care plan. Uh, I've, I've Googled several websites. I've gone to his website, and I can't find a, a, a defined health care plan. I'm assuming that he would let the free market take over. We'll see how that works out if he gets in. That's a long shot, just as Bernie's a long shot. They all have some good and bad except for Clinton. I mean, basically, she likes bureaucracies, and she's going to grow our bureaucracy if she gets in, and she's going to do it to benefit the large corporations that are backing her. And I don't know if you guys saw their, their tax returns and their their financial statement. Oh, my gosh, these people who came into the White House with very little money are extremely wealthy now. Oh, my God. I wish I could be elected. <laughs> I wish I could give a talk for 500000 an hour. That would be wonderful. I'm lucky if I get 50 bucks an hour. So that's what we have so far. And what I want to ask you, and I'll field a couple of calls, what's most important to you? The economy, taxation, health care, the deficit, terrorism, helping out the poor? what is it that you want to see your money spent on? And tell me what you think about the health care plan if you don't have an idea of what you want to spend your money on. Tell me which health care plan appeals to you the most. I'm at 877-969-8600. That's 877-969-8600. And this is Dr. Bill, and we're talking about the candidates' health care plans and their taxation plans. By the way, the transparency part of the Trump plan which is something I have wanted for a long time. We'll make it so that you can see exactly what the doctor charges you before you go in. So let's say you're going in for a stress test and a physical exam, and one website says it's 1500 bucks, and then Dr. So-and-so has it for 1200 bucks, and then a new kid in town, Dr. Youngster, has it for $900. And you say, well, I mean, if he's passed the same courses, what's the difference? I'll go to the $900 guy. And then Mitt Romney, of course, would say, well, I don't want somebody that's new. I'm a, you know, I'm a made man. So I'm going to go to the $1,500 guy because he probably has more experience. He's older. He's been in practice longer. He's seen more. So you'd have that ability to look and shop. You'd also see exactly what the hospitals are charging and what they're getting paid from the health insurance companies, from self-pay rates. How does that help? Well, if you go to the hospital and you don't have insurance. You go to the ER and you figure, yeah, it's going to cost me 500,000 bucks. I'll I'll weather that storm. But the doctor says, you have an acute appendicitis. Your appendix needs to come out. You don't have health insurance. You say, well, I want to negotiate a self-pay rate, which isn't bad. It's not bad at all. You might even be able to have the surgery outpatient if it's very early in the infection of the, of the appendix. And so the representative from the financial office of the hospital comes down and says, well, this is what Medicare is paying us. They're paying us $2,500 for an uncomplicated appendicitis, an appendectomy, take your appendix out. And that includes 24 hours or 23 and a half hours of care. And it's six in the evening. So then you say, well, works for me. And so Dr. Ranke comes in and he takes it out and at 8 or 9 in the evening, you're back in your bed in the morning, you get up, you feel good, he did it through the scope, you go home. You... Well, we got Bill from Clearwater, and Bill has a comment. Come on, Bill, what you got for me, buddy? Bill, hey, good morning. Thank you. I'm also, I, I'm from Louisville, Kentucky uh, originally, but we'll talk about that later. But I uh, I, I just have a under, difficult understanding about health care plans because there's such a large propensity of people getting older and because of that, in most cases, what I've read is when there is a claim on any group health plan, especially men over 55 and women regarding disease, that the cost of the claims are so high, I don't know how, even under managed care, that we're going to be able to afford some type of normal funding because of the, uh, I think, astronomical costs going forward with the aging of America. And I'd just like to have your official opinion of that, please. Well, it's it's an interesting phenomenon that most of the Medicare money is uh, spent on a very small percentage of the population, the Medicare population, something like 20%, I think, is what's been thrown around. And most of that is spent at end of life or for uh, major diseases, uh, cancer, chemotherapy, radiation, that sort of thing, where the bill does run up in a hurry. And of course, Obama was uh, severely criticized for uh, suggesting that people have... Uh, Uh, you know, a living will and a durable power of attorney and some counseling about uh, whether or not they want to be resuscitated. And, you know, the Republicans called it the death councils and all that. Uh, And actually, this is something that I've been doing for a long time with my patients is sitting down, especially when they're very sick and saying to them or to the families, if they're not able to make a decision that, you know, you can put a lot of time and effort into this. And I'm not sure we're going to get anywhere else. Why don't we give it a day or two and if they don't turn around, then we'll take them off of the ventilator, and we'll take them off of the life supports. And, you know, the guy's 85, 90, or the woman's 90, 95. They've had a full life, and they don't want to be on life support anyway. So why should I keep these people in the intensive care unit for two more weeks at two or $3,000 per day? And then you have all the concomitant studies that go along with it, x-rays, needles, hair, IV lines. Drop a lung from the ventilator, so you got to put in a chest tube. I mean, it starts adding up, and, and I, I think that we can hold down the cost by just adding some reason to this. As well, we need to have the doctors uh, within each hospital have a committee so that they're they're comfortable. A lot of doctors are not comfortable saying to families, "It's hopeless." You know. Uh, Right. You, you you just have a hard time, especially the younger guys. And, you know, you have to be able to be comfortable with yourself and your own death to be able to walk into a room and say, well, you know, it's bad news, guys. You, you know, it looks like he got a, a blood cell cancer. And I don't know what the longevity is. So when I was a kid in medical school, it was three to six months. There's new therapies out. And they'll say, is it curable? And then, you know, I'm saying I'm not an oncologist. This is my specialty. But I can tell you that things have gotten a lot better for people with cancer overall. And I got a guy in the ICU now who has a lymphoma. And it's taken us two weeks to get him to the point uh, of of realizing that there's just not much more we can do. He's bled. We've given him 20, 30 units of blood. He's been uh, given all kinds of high-priced medications. We can't even give him chemotherapy. He's so uh, weakened by all of the other problems that are going along, blood clots in his legs and so on and so forth. So uh, finally, with the interns and the case manager and me and everybody else, the nurses, talking to him and saying, doesn't look good here, dude. You're not going to make it. And finally, he said, okay, I'll talk with hospice, which is not a bad way, not a bad way at all. And he says, I'm comfortable now. It took him two weeks to get there, and it cost you and me one hell of a lot of money, but he's at that point. Now, if we start educating people earlier about re- realism when it comes to health care, you know, people think, you're God, you can do anything. Well, I mean, Dr. Bill's a God, but most doctors aren't. And, you know, that—that that we just have to accept that most of us are not gods, and we're not going to be able to touch somebody on the head and cure them. It isn't going to work. It's, it just isn't. So there's some things that we can do. It's going to require transparency in the system. It's going to require that we have a free enterprise system where you will say, I am not going to pay any more for my dad who's 95. He's not going to make it, and I want you to pull the plug. So we, we can do these things, but it's going to take a whole different mindset from the public. And we can't have a, a, a you know, mollycoddling a kind of government that uh, leads us through every step. We're, that's not what we do as Americans. I don't know if that helps any, Bill, but there you oh go. I'm just, I just trying to put my, med- my uh, mathematical head around it because I'm 62, okay. I'm pretty healthy. My mother lived to be 94. and She was born in 1916. I'm going, well, there's not Bill, enough we, people to pay for me to live to 100.
0: I mean, and I yeah. don't want to... Yeah, uh, yeah to Bill,
1: pass. we got we got about 15 seconds left, buddy, so we'll, we'll take care of you. Don't worry about it. And we're going to negotiate this through. Let's get one of our conservatives in, and we'll do a better job. I love you guys. It's the end of the show. Chris, have a great weekend, buddy. This is Dr. Bill,
0: your Radio MD.
1: And here we go now. How much for it? Here we go. 100 is the bid to